I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. On today's episode of The Practical Pro Musician, we're going to talk all about how to possibly afford that piece of gear that you've had your eye on, or at least justify it in your own mind so that you feel better about pulling the trigger and jumping in on that awesome thing you have your eye on. Stay tuned. We love playing music, but it seems like the odds of making a living as a professional musician are about as high as winning the lottery. So the big question is this, how do musicians like us with jobs, families, and responsibilities get from where we are today to making a practical living playing music we love? Well, my name is Daniel Hathaway, and this show will give you the answers. This is The Practical Pro Musician. Hey, 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 welcome back again to The Practical Pro Musician. My name's Daniel, and I'm so happy you are here with me again today. Um, If you notice, at least to me, it seems like my voice is a little bit deeper. Um, That's for two reasons. One is, of course, it's, um, I was going to say it's allergy season here in Tennessee, but that's like all year round, so that's nothing new. Uh, But then also, I've been doing um, a little bit of teaching um, and recording some other some other lessons or some other things I'm doing, and uh, I've just been talking a lot recently, so I think my voice is a little bit worn out. Um, so I sound a little bit more radio ready. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm glad you've decided to join me again. Um, this is uh, an episode that it's interesting. I, I I've I've thought about sharing this, and I'm I'm not 100 percent sure if I've shared this um, this idea before or not. On uh, on on this show on, on either I know I haven't done it on Practical Pro Musician, maybe back in the day on Drummer Daily I might have talked about this, but um, I thought this is I was teaching on this recently and I thought this would be something kind of fun to to share with you. Um, and it's all about it's something that we we talk a lot about like meeting people and relationships and networking and all those kinds of things. But I thought we'd talk about something kind of fun today. Uh, at least it's fun to me. And that's that's gear and buying gear and how to afford gear and all that kind of stuff. And I guess um, if, you, if you hear this episode and you're like, man, Daniel, th- this is not interesting or fun at all to me. Um, I guess that I guess that means that you're uh, less of a geek than I am, because <laughs> I, I love this kind of stuff. Um, I think the reason why I love this kind of stuff is that, and we're not going to get too heavy into finances or anything like that. It's just a couple of ideas, um, but uh, I think the reason why I love this stuff is that it uh, it enables it has enabled me to uh, to get to play with some really cool gear, um, and I don't know many musicians who 
don't love, um, who don't love gear. And so, um, if you're anything like me, I think that, um, that you're going to get a kick out of today's episode. Now, I do want to say this about what we're going to talk about. I have to say this, I think. Um, I don't have a lawyer, but if I did, he'd probably tell me, she would probably tell me. You need to make sure you say this, um, which is um, I'm not a financial expert. Uh, I don't even pretend to be one. Um, and so you should not listen to uh, much of anything that I'm saying here. Um, with, uh, without talking to somebody who does know what they're talking about, a, a trained professional, a certified professional, because that's not me. Um, and so this is, uh, I, I would say what today is, is more of a thought experiment, a, a fun exercise to help you consider the possibilities and then go and do, uh, do some of your own research and decide if this is something you want to do or not, but don't just take my word for it on this stuff and then go do it. Um, cause this could be, for some reason that I'm not aware of, could be a terrible idea, and I don't want to be the reason why you make a terrible financial decision. Um, but yeah, this is a fun thing to talk about. All right, so with that said, um, and this is not a concept that I originated by any stretch of the imagination. This is not my idea. This is not something I came up with. This is something I discovered through some other means. I can't remember exactly how I came across this concept. I've, I've been, I've kind of ascribed to this thought for so long that I think that. Um, that I think that I uh, that, that I can't remember where it came from. I will say this though that this this does root back to me. Like I've always been kind of like a wheeler and a dealer. Um, you know, I've always been a negotiator. Um, I always like to kind of like figure out how to make things happen that kind of seem like they're not possible. Um, and so that it, maybe it comes from that even even deep into my childhood. This this idea originates. Um, all right, so. Let me let me kind of just, I'm just going to give you an example of a piece of gear that I bought a while back, and I think by me telling you this story, I think it's going to illustrate the concept that I um, am trying to communicate with you. So, um, I guess this was probably six or seven years ago. It was many years ago. Um, I found a vintage Rogers drum kit. I'm a drummer. Um, I found a vintage drum set made by Rogers, which is a company that they're kind of around. I don't think they're around anymore anyway. But anyway, they back in the day, they were great. And there's highly sought after a late sixties Rogers drum kit. And I found it used, obviously you're not buying a new sixties drum kit. I found it though. Um, and, uh, bought it. It was able to get a great deal on it because they couldn't verify a few of the details about where the different pieces of the kit came from. If they all belonged to the same kit or not, I didn't care because I was taking it home to play it. If you're in the collecting world at all, they have, you know, pieces of gear they call player's gear, which basically means it's not in like pristine collectible condition. So you're not going to be like, you know, getting big bucks for this stuff, but it still sounds like that vintage instrument that everyone loves and is great for playing. If you actually want to play this instrument and not just look at it, this is the kind of condition that, you know, you know, you might want to go for. So it was like a good, like I think they call it players or playing condition. Anyway, got it for, I think, uh, I think I paid $600 for the drum kit. Um, and then, and so I bought the drum kit and, and, and just so you know, like at the time, $600 was a stretch, like a big stretch. Like it was, it wasn't like we didn't have a bunch of extra money sitting around. Um, so that was a big deal. Um, and so, but we bought the kit. Uh, I was going on tour. I think I wanted it for, to take on tour or something. So I knew kind of I'd make the money back eventually from music, that whole thing. But anyway, I um, bought the kit for 600 bucks, I think. Um, and I got it home and, and 
immediately, it came with a bunch of the vintage original hardware, like the metal that holds the drums up. It came with a bunch of that stuff with it, um, which I, in doing some research after I bought the kit, um, and maybe I even researched this before I bought the kit, so I knew this when I bought it, but that hardware is really hard to find. It's uh, The original stuff is real sturdy. It's actually astonishingly sturdy for vintage hardware. Plus, it looks, you know, period correct for collectors, and it doesn't, it's not a modern piece of hardware sitting on this uh, vintage drum or whatever. So um, those things were highly sought after. So I, uh, I, I was able to sell, I think there were two pieces of hardware from that kit that I sold almost immediately on Reverb or eBay or somewhere for, um, I think it totaled maybe $200. And so I bought that kit for $600 and then right away I, I basically made $200 back from it. So at that point, I was only in the hole 400 bucks for that drum kit. And um, so to me, the kit really had only cost me 400 bucks, which is like even more of a no-brainer. That's like the price of like a beginner drum set. Um, but this was this awesome vintage kit. So I had the drum kit for, um, I guess I had it for maybe three or four years. Um, and then maybe even five years. I can't remember exactly but I had to get for many years. And then, um, when the time came and I, I was able to, I was ready to get a new drum set. I sold this drum kit and I actually sold the drum kit for $850. So remember I had only really at the end of the day paid $400 for it. I kept it for four or five years, I think. And then made eight or, or got paid eight fifty for it. So I profited $450 from this drum kit. So, if you were to look at me like where I'm sitting now, present day, basically I got paid $450 to play an awesome drum set for four or five years. And that was like amazing, right? Like if, if someone in the front end of that had said to me, Hey, I am going to pay you $500 or $400 to play this drum kit for the next four or five years. Um, well, will you take that deal? I'll give you the drum kit and I'll give you, at the end of this, I'll give you $400 um, at the end of this. It's a no brainer, right? So the, 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 the concept, I think it's called, oh, what is it called? I don't remember what it's called. Oh, well, it'll probably come to me about the end of the episode. I'll, I'll post this episode and then I'll remember what it's called. But the concept of you're really only paying for um, the, the, the amount of money you're risking on buying a piece of gear is only what you, you stand to possibly lose or gain when you sell it again. Cause gear doesn't become immensely invaluable unless you break it, um, or not valuable, have no value unless you break it, um, over time. Uh, I mean, a lot of gear does get, go down in value. It depreciates. Um, but some does get, um, more valuable. So, um, another example, one where I didn't make money, um, was, um, I bought like an audio interface, like for recording, uh, you know, mics into my computer. I bought that. It was like a little M audio thing. I bought it used for, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, maybe $120. Um, and used it for, I remember I kept it for, for at least five years. Um, and then I sold it. Um, when I upgraded a computer and it was no longer compatible with the computer that I upgraded to, I sold it, uh, through Craigslist or something for $60. So I lost $60, but I, I got to use it for five years. And if you were to basically kind of like prorate out that $60 that I lost over five years, um, 
That means that I paid a dollar per month for five years to have this wonderful audio interface that had like tons of inputs and outputs. And as a drummer, that's a, a very helpful thing to have. So I paid a dollar a month for five years to have that piece of gear. And again, at the beginning of that, if someone said, hey, Daniel, I will give you this piece of gear and you just need to pay me $1, just hand me a dollar bill every month and you can keep it. It'd be a no brainer. Um, so the concept is like the idea that I, I was only really risking when I paid that $120 for that interface. I really was only risking whatever amount of money um, that it would go down in value for the life of how long I had it. So um, I was basically only needed to cover depreciation. It's almost kind of like leasing something, but where you can keep it as long as you want it and you don't have to turn it back in and it's yours um, from day one. Um, because you can get basically what you're doing is you're just risking the depreciation. Um, if you play your cards right, sometimes you can keep track of how certain pieces of gear go up and down in value over time and, and buy something when it's gone down in value pretty low and you're, you're lowering the amount of risk you have. Um, so again, I'm sure some financial person is going to write in and say it's called this or that, and it's a terrible idea. Uh, but uh, to me, it's uh, it, it's enabled me to get some gear, or at least in my mind, justify buying some really nice gear because I know um, that at the end of all of it, if I want to get rid of it and I need the money, I can sell it. Now, a uh, couple of caveats to that. This uh, number one is um, it's risky you don't want to do this with money you don't have. Um, so I would never, for example, like put a bunch of gear purchases on a credit card and at the same time justifying it by saying, oh, well, I can sell it down the road and only have to pay for depreciation because the reality is the whole time you're paying off that credit card, you're paying interest on that. And that kind of starts to eat into anything you might stand to gain or, 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 it, the, any kind of losses that you're mitigating by uh, taking this method are completely eaten up by credit card interest. So do not do this with a credit card. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, the other kind of the flip side of that is, um, you know, you still have to have that money that you're you're out of pocket while you have that piece of gear. So, you know, um, I'm looking right now as I'm, as I'm recording this at my uh, drum kit by ANF Drumco. Um, those are uh, expensive drums, and uh, I had to have the money on the front end to pay for those drums. Um, and I mean, I had a deal. I have an artist deal with them, but um, it's still they're still expensive drums, even with the deal. Um, because uh, side note on endorsements, uh, no one's giving stuff away for free most of the time. So that's not how it works. Um, and you also have, there's, there's two sides to every deal like that. Um, so anyway, uh, I still have to pay a lot of money for these drums. And so um, I've got them and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, I had I actually had to have the money um, on the front end to pay for uh, these drums. If I didn't have that money on the front end, uh, I should not have bought them. Now, if I want to sell them later on, I'll probably make back what I paid for them. But the whole time my, that money that I, that I had to front is, is not mine to use for other things. Um, so just keep that in mind with this idea. Um, all right. So I, I, I the, the name of this has not come to me, but, um, I think it's just a fun way to start kind of processing how, uh, start to rethink how your relationship with your gear. If there's a piece of gear that you actually think you need or you want, cause it's fun or whatever. Um, this can be a fun way to kind of think things through. Um, the amount of money that you uh, are risking. Um, again, 
don't do this with money you need. Don't like, don't go put yourself in financial ruin for this kind of thing. This is a fun thought experiment. If you've got a few extra bucks that you'd like to spend on a piece of gear, this can be a fun way of thinking about it where it might make you feel a little better about pulling the trigger on that piece of gear. Uh, but I'm not trying to pressure you to buy more gear. That's probably the last thing most of us need is more gear. We need to spend more time on our instruments and building relationships and doing other things, not buying better gear. All right. Well, thanks for joining me this week, talking all kinds of fun stuff about gear and money and geeking out with math. (laughs) Um, uh, I appreciate you joining me. We'll talk again really soon. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.